All right, so let's go ahead and bring in uh, Dr. Millen. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. So, places today. Usually, <laughs> usually we do um, we do it at the office, and then like we do two different rooms because it's just safer and. Um, yeah, thank you, Irene. Yes, listen, we're gonna be doing, you know. Oh man, I can hear that feedback again. Well, let's we're trying this new, so let's see how it goes. You sound great. So I'm just gonna peep and let you go ahead and introduce. I'm actually gonna mute myself. So I'll okay. click on the comments and then we'll go from there and I'll I'll try to chime in less. Uh, because it's just feedback. So yeah, sorry guys. So you can go ahead and Introduce uh, introduce yourself again, just for those who are first time uh, on the stream with you. And then also uh, go ahead and share the topic that we're going to be um, talking about today. Hi, everybody. So this is Dr. Millen, nurse practitioner. Uh, you already heard our various social media, but lotusintegrativehealth.com. And, uh, you know, I'm providing integrative functional medicine to um, you know, patients, and that is holistic health, basically a combination of conventional and holistic medicine, uh, natural ways to get healthy. Of course, we always want to push um, what the natural lifestyle changes. Um, I also do herbal medications and supplements. So um, today I really wanted to talk about breast cancer because this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And um, you know, I know there's a couple guys on the stream, but you know, it's it still affects uh, you know uh, people you know because breast cancer hits one in eight women, which is twelve and a half percent in the U.S. And interestingly enough, the rate of younger women getting breast cancer is increasing. And so this is important for all of us to really be more aware. Um, the rate of younger women under forty has doubled since 1976, which is pretty astonishing. It's not a lot of women. It's about 2.9 per 100,000. So not a lot of women get breast cancer under 40, but it is increasing and we have to figure out why and, and do something about it. So, and the unfortunate thing is during COVID, um, we have seen a 52% drop, JAMA just reported a 52% drop in getting uh, in detection of breast cancer. So that's because of COVID. Now everybody's scared to go to the, the uh, you know, doctor's office because of COVID. But the fact of the matter is, is that is harming us as well. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're getting the health care we need, even if, COVID is going on, wear your mask, get your health care, you know, use telehealth. We do telehealth in our office. Um, I know a lot of folks are afraid of coming into our office is actually quite small. So we don't have a big medical clinic. But uh, even then, I can understand why people are fearful of going out, out and doing things that are unnecessary. But medical care is totally necessary. So make sure you're getting out there. So I don't know what uh, everybody's heard about risk factors for breast cancer. So I'm just going to dive in and hit your questions in the chat. You know, Amanda's there watching um, while I'm talking and she'll interrupt me and, and we'll try to, um, you know, get some of your questions answered. But some of the risk factors for breast cancer are not having children uh, or having your first child after 30, uh, never breastfeeding if you do have a child. Uh, our age, of course, is a, is a factor in breast cancer. Uh, if we've ever had cancer radiation therapy, 
to the chest specifically, uh, obesity, alcohol, uh, and low activity exercise. What do we always hear? Oh, alcohol, activity, what you eat, all those things. Again, with breast cancer, also risk factors. Um, the other thing that we hear a lot about is genetic testing for breast cancer. And there have been genes that have been identified. Uh, so those are the BRCA1, BRCA2 genes. So if you have somebody who has a family history of breast cancer, you want to go in and get tested for that. Um, and there's a lot of other, what we call SNPs, and we do offer SNP testing. There are single nucleotide polymorphisms. I know it's a weird word. Um, these are genetic markers. And now you guys have heard of 23andMe and Ancestry.com. You can get your SNPs checked, and those are for various diseases as we map out DNA uh, that tells us more information about our genetics, our predisposition to disease. And, um, and that's uh, something that we can explore more. But again, we are not defined completely by our genetics. And I think we've talked about this in other, uh, pod, other casts, other live streams. Uh, other factors is um, taking in hormones. And I know we give out birth control pills to lots of young women uh, throughout the country. And there is a small risk for breast cancer with taking a long-term hormone therapy. So either as a young woman or as an older woman, when you get a hormone replacement therapy. And um, that's really, really linked to, um, we were using equine estrogen. So basically horse's urine was made to into estrogen for women to use. And that seems to be sort of linked uh, to a higher risk of issues in the breast. Um, and so we do have what are called bioidentical hormones or hormones that are more similar or very similar or exactly like the type of hormones that we have in our body. And those are a little better uh, for, uh, for sort of risk wise as far as breast cancer. And of course, just depends on your history. And obviously, you need a, a, a evaluation. Um, so somebody's asked, Hi uh, T is asked, what is the common thing people do incorrectly when doing self-checks? Okay, we're going to get to that. So give me a minute. Um, so uh, I just want to go over what other things might cause breast cancer, and then we're going to talk about how to check yourself. Um, so uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, all the uh, what are called xenoestrogens in our environment that mimic estrogen that also are increasing the estrogen levels in your body and can increase your risk for um, breast cancer. So those are those xenoestrogens are in preservatives, chemicals, additives, BPA. Everybody's heard of BPA-free bottles. That's another one. Um, you know, just dyes, hair dyes, nail polish, cosmetics, personal care products. All of those chemicals can also be uh, mimic your hormones and imitate estrogen. So. Uh, you really want to look at your personal care products, especially for us ladies. Um, you know, we we take in a lot of chemicals, and those chemicals can be things that uh, put us at risk for cancers, breast cancer. So somebody had a question about, Tai T had a question about how to take care of yourself. And, you know, it's true. You know, there's, uh, unfortunately, 
self breast exam and clinical breast exam. So either doing the exam yourself or the exam that you do in the provider's office have not been shown in research to help really improve your detection of cancer. But I've been working for 22 years and I can tell you that women are, I've seen so many cases where women come in and they're the ones who detect the cancer and say, hey, I need to be checked, I feel a lump. So, um, you know, I always encourage all my patients to uh, check yourself, whether it's in the shower or in bed or, you know, with your partner, however you want to, you know, check your breasts, but get to know your body, get to know yourself. Uh, and if you feel anything's abnormal, at least you can come in and we can check it out and get it tested. Um, but uh, so, you know, even though the research hasn't shown that breast exams help or, uh, but I still advocate for them because, you know, I feel like if you know your body, you're going to be clued into something's happening. Um, of course, the best way to detect breast cancer right now is mammography. And um, so um, that's an uh, x-ray picture of your uh, breast. And most women, there's a couple different organizations who recommend different times to get your mammogram. I always encourage folks to start at 40 which is what the American Cancer Society recommends. And they kind of leave it up to you between 40 and 45. And then they encourage you to do yearly exams between 45 and 54. And then after that, um, every two years till you're 75. And some of the other organizations say, okay, start at 50 and do every two years. I think it's an individual thing, you know, go in and, and see your healthcare provider, talk to them about breast cancer risk, talk to them about your family history and figure out a good time to start screening. I mean, sometimes we see breast cancer in some families are really young age. So I say sometimes, hey, you know what? Your mom had breast cancer at 35. Let's do your screening, you know, if you're 35. You know, there's no reason we can't do an early screening and then decide on an individual basis how often that being of course, you want to, though there isn't a lot of x-ray radiation in a mammogram, that I always think about if you're doing it every year, how much is that going to be? How much radiation is that for the body? So you do kind of want to think about that and how often you're doing it and what your risks are <clears throat> and um, figuring out what, you know, what, um, how often you want to do it based on on your history. So, and mammograms are really good at figuring out. Um, I'm going to drink a little water here. Mm. Mammograms are really good at finding breast cancer about 87 percent of the time. So, um, but they do miss cancer 13 percent of the time. So, <clears throat> um, you know, your chance of having a false positive is there the more often you get a mammogram. So, uh, you know. You want to uh, make sure that you're doing it, but it's not foolproof. There isn't really a foolproof of way of finding breast cancer. And that's where you kind of hear those cases of breast cancer that was missed. Um, you also heard of thermography. I don't know if everyone's heard of thermography and that's sort of using infrared technology to sort of scan the breast for temperature changes and see if there's a cancer based on increased blood flow. So that's some of the, <coughs> boy, I'm talking a lot here today. Usually Amanda's kicking in here. So, um, 
<clears throat> I'm here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to break. I'm just talking away. No, it's fine. Um, we have a lot of people are just listening, so I didn't want to get too interactive right away. But um, something that I found interesting was Irene had mentioned that she had her first mammogram at 39 last year, and she had to fight her doctor for one. Uh, her grandma and, and two cousins had breast cancer. So is this something that's, I mean, you know, I you mean, know, every person have your, your family history, right? And but if not, is that something that you know you should disclose right away so that they do have that information? Uh, I mean, I'm sure Irene did, and she still had to, you know, uh, right. ask for one. But uh, at what point, and which, you know, how do we, I guess, communicate that with our doctor without? in a way that, you know, we're concerned. Um, I don't have breast cancer in my family history, but I do have other cancers in my family history. Um, and, you know, how do we communicate, I guess? What, what would you recommend if we wanted to communicate to a doctor that we are concerned about something? And this goes for pretty much anything, not only breast cancer, but... Um, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. We advocate for being a smaller, you know, practice. So, of course, like, that's one of the benefits. But we've talked about this before, you know, insurance and all that, in and out, 15, 20 minutes, and that's it. I mean, some of the some of the health insurances dictate what they'll offer or when up where they'll offer it. I know certain institutions have rules and guidelines for their providers. So, you know, they the provider's job is to make sure there isn't unnecessary testing. That being said, if somebody has a strong family history is really worried, um, you know, getting a baseline early is not a problem. Now, of course, you're not going to want to start doing frequent mammograms at, at 39. And then, you know, um, you know, I think, and then doing it every year, I think you have to figure out what with your provider, what makes sense so that you reduce your risk too. Because if you keep getting radiation every year from 39 to 75, that's like, you know, 30, 40 years of, of um, you know, radiation. So you have to figure it out with your provider. Um, talking to your provider is challenging. I think every provider is different. Some people are really strict and want to go by the rules and, oh, this is what the American Cancer Society says, so I'm going to follow it. I'm always thinking outside the box of what is happening to that individual person and what is, is and it's a shared decision making. It's not about me running the show and everybody's different. I think somebody wrote a really nice comment about nurse practitioners. We as nurses tend to be holistic and we tend to listen and, um, you know, thank you so much, Irene. You know, I feel like nurse practitioners are the best. Of course, I'm biased. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, we do want to listen to patients come first. Nurses are always ranked as the most um, I think the most trusted profession because we're always, we're always worried about our patients. Um, hi, lovely Liz. Uh, so Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt before yeah. we move on, just because we are now uploading this to SoundCloud and eventually hopefully creating a more like a podcast with this. I just want to remind everybody um, that the information on the stream 
is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical um, advice and instruction, uh, or it's not meant to diagnose or treat. Obviously, you know, we do need to remember that no matter what, you should be checking in on everything uh, with your personal physician. So just have to verbally say that as well. But um, Dr. Millen has so much knowledge and so much great uh, recommendations and advice that that's why we're trying to um, bring it to you guys. Yeah. So lovely Liz, can you see the, the quote or her comment there uh, in her question? So this is a great question. Um, so lovely Liz is saying she had a lump and they ordered an ultrasound and not a mammogram. It really depends on, the mammogram is not great test for younger women <clears throat> under 40 who have denser breasts. The breasts are dense and so the x-ray just doesn't give you the same sort of imaging to really detect breast cancer. In that sense, a younger woman would get ultrasound and not mammogram. Sometimes we'll order both, just depends on the situation. Um, but if the breasts are dense, and another issue is women have breast implants, and that impedes the mammogram from being able to detect breast cancer. So uh, ultrasound, sometimes we order ultrasound in those cases as well, but we'll still get a mammogram, but uh, breast implant, implants will make it harder to detect breast cancer. Any other questions? Anybody got any questions? Oh, I can't hear you, Amanda. Oh, I said I had a troll in here. I had to ban them. Oh. <laughs> um, so then. I know it's a quick discussion. I, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up with um, uh, estrogens and breast cancer and breast health is, you know, as we go through our life cycle, things change as far as estrogen and how we're metabolizing estrogens. And so a test that we do in our office is called the Dutch test. And the Dutch test really tells me how you're metabolizing your estrogens. And there's three different kinds of estrogens. There's estrone, estriol, and estradiol. And those three um, different estrogens are contributing to different, you know, like estradiol is good for your heart and bones. Uh, estriol is good for your skin. Uh, estrone is good, you know, goes to the breast. And, and that's the one that you kind of want to see how your body's metabolizing estrone. And so the Dutch test by Precision Analytical will actually show you those pathways, those metabolism pathways, so that we can pinpoint, especially for somebody who has a history of a family history of breast cancer or um, women who are entering premenopause, we can check how your your body's metabolizing those estrogens and then give you ways, natural ways to kind of take herbal medications so that you can metabolize those estrogens better. And that lowers your risk can, uh, breast, uh, breast cancer risk. So um, just a little plug for those tests, because those are not tests that you do in a conventional office. Um, those are done in a functional integrative medicine uh, office. And um, that's sort of uh, uh, something that I would advocate for if you do have a family history of uh, breast cancer and you're worried about breast cancer. So we have a question from at DJ Andres Antonio. Um, these are great questions. Um, she has a daughter who's five. I'm not familiar with what he's actually asking. So maybe you could expand on that. 
I think he's expanding on the xenoestrogen bit, which is basically xenoestrogens are in everything. And they're basically plastics, additives, chemicals that mimic our hormones. And, um, you know, this is where you wonder why our girls are getting periods earlier. You know, there's a lot of commentary in the OBGYN world. Why are girls developing sooner? Why are girls getting periods earlier? Some of it is this idea that our pollutants, whether it's like canned food. Um, I heard the other day receipts have chemicals on them that you can absorb in your skin, which freaked me out. Okay, definitely get the electronic receipt next time they ask you, you know. Um, you know, perfumes, chemicals, personal care products. So, you know, the idea is that these are... Uh, mimicking your estrogens and therefore hitting those same receptors and possibly inducing earlier uh, puberty. And so that's where xenoestrogens might be. Uh, so, you know, it's really important for all of us, men and women, because obviously men have hormones as well, to really look at the products around us, what we're cleaning with, what we're using. I'm on a kick sort of to, um, I just did a three-day toxins uh, conference uh, for Institute of Functional Medicine, and just the number of different areas where we get pollutants, it kind of depressed me for a little bit because I thought, oh my gosh, we're just surrounded by it. The paint on our walls, the chemicals in our furniture, the cleaners we use in our house, even the dust we have because there's pollutants in the air. But really the, the goal would be, and I think I have a daughter as well, um, that was DJ Andres, I think, who said that. Yeah, you know, and I totally hear you. I'm worried about her. And so she's, you know, uh, now hitting puberty and wanting to um, use makeup. And so we're looking at what are some natural products that she can get. And I know Beauty Counter is one of them. Um, I'm looking at getting natural shampoo. Our next goal is natural. We're just doing one at a time because it's so overwhelming. Uh, we just took out all our cleaning products and are using Castile soap. And you can buy that at Costco. I bought a, you can buy a big three pack and we're using Castile soap throughout the house to clean the house. Um, you can start getting rid of, you know, slowly um, moving towards natural products. And you pick and choose your, your battles because obviously some of us need to still dye our hair here <laughs> and so <laughs> that might be a battle that i lose against toxins that are xenoestrogens but um you know laundry is very versatile too right yes. yep um, you can use it for yep i had gotten it because it was a recommended product to use to clean my makeup brushes um yeah. because it was you know more natural and it was supposed to work really well but I was looking at the bottle and there was like so many different options you can use it like you can actually use it like in your bath. Right. It's like right. safe enough that you can like apply it on your body. So I was like, well, I mean, assuming that it's safe enough to do that. Um, and I, I mean, was, yeah, you can clean with it, too. Yeah. Huh? And the, the theory is you really should use products that you would be OK to eat, really. Right. So yeah. Use baby oil for things, and now I'm using coconut oil, which I get from Trader Joe's in a jar. And we've moved to that to remove makeup, to you know, use it as a lotion. 
Mm -hmm. Um, You can use, you know, coconut oil for your hair. So you kind of want to start moving towards, is this good enough to put on my body? Is it good enough to eat? You know, is it something that would be safe to eat? And that would be a good test for how to decrease those xenoestrogens and those chemicals that are going to affect our, our hormones. And that may be the reason we're seeing more of an increase in breast cancer, you know, is, is toxins, is, is sort of all the, all the medications, toxins, things that we're doing, things we're eating. Definitely um, obesity is linked to breast cancer. And so having um, a healthier diet, getting enough of those phytonutrients, um, we had a, a in during our lectures, one of our professors was like, eat the rainbow, you know, eat. Do you have the rainbow on your plate when you eat? I mean, that's going to help you fight cancer, you know, um, different colored foods. Um, are, are you getting blue foods, foods, orange foods, yellow foods, green foods? You know, you want all of those different colors in your meals. Um, and that's going to help you fight any kind of cancer. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to, you know, what you're ingesting and, um, you know, your overall health. Who knows, you know, what other things you could be preventing or, um, you know, hopefully not getting because of changing your health and lifestyle. So I'm 33 and I have no, like, problem telling people that. Um, I... I problem telling myself I was 33 either. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitch, I feel like we're all kind of like between like 30 and like 50. So like we're all very, yeah, I'm totally open. I'm 33. Um, my favorite, some people say I, I look younger, even though they might just be being nice. But um, right now I normally get like my breast exams done. Uh, just once a year, which I actually need to, I mean, I'll just have you do it for me. Um, because um, I do take birth control. I've been on birth control uh, for, gosh, I mean, I was like 17. I wasn't even 18 yet because I remember I had to have my mom go with me to the doctor and get it. But at that point, it was because I was using it because I was just having very, very like rough periods. Right. Now I'm just like, I use it mostly so I know exactly when I'm having it. I know exactly how long it's going to be. It's just myself being somebody who, you know, likes to plan all that out. That's why I continue to use it. Um, right. But me being 33 with no breast cancer history in my um, in my family history, um what other things can I do is just the one time a year uh, something that's recommended. Um, I know that, you know, there's all, like you said, we know our, should know our bodies, you know, at the best, um, you know, self-examining. Is that something that, you know, I should be doing once a month or is it something easy that I can do in the shower? Like what are some things that I can not really, I mean, we've gone over, you know, helping and prevention, but, what else can I do to, I guess, just, you know, precautionary? Thank you, Mars, for subscribing again. Appreciate you, fam. Um, what are some things that you recommend for somebody like my age between 33 and 35 or 30 to 35? So I think definitely checking yourself if it's monthly, if you do it 
The best time to check yourself is after the period because after the period is done, your hormone levels are at their lowest. So you're not going to get, um, sometimes women will get sort of fibrocystic breasts, uh, especially right before periods or, or mid-cycle because the estrogen levels are, are going up. Um, but great question. I think every, every month, if you want to check yourself, I think that's, it's good to know your body, good to know your breasts, make sure you feel what you feel and that things are not changing. And if something's changing, you can come on in, um, every year having a clinical breast exam for sure. One of the, the worst things, one of the best things that happened is we didn't have to have PAPs every year anymore. But one of the worst things is then we never went in to get checked. And I think young women tend not to get checked because they don't have to have pap smears every year anymore. And so then it just kind of their health falls to the wayside. And I think having a, a breast exam along with a physical every year is very important. Weight is important. Watching what your weight is, making sure you're not gaining excessive weight, um, watching your carbohydrates um, and your diet. And that ties into sort of some of the other discussions we've had on insulin and um, diabetes and cholesterol uh, that we had uh, in a previous live stream. So weight and exercise is extremely important. That's another active thing that you can do um, to sort of regulate your body. It'll help you stabilize your hormones and make sure you're metabolizing them. And um, I think those are sort of, you know, the basic things. And then, of course, decreasing your pollutants in your, in your, um, around you. Uh, the, you could do genetic testing um, if you are really anxious about it. You have a lot of family members. You could also do the Dutch test, which I talked about on how you're metabolizing estrogen. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, we're not going to run out and tell everybody to have a kid by the time they're 30 or, <laughs> or breastfeed if they can't. But, you know, obviously those will reduce your risk factors. I never knew that. That's something that I, I never, I had no idea. I didn't know about the breastfeeding and I didn't know about the, uh, you know, no children. That's, uh, well, and I feel like, especially now, um, women are choosing to have children later so um that's that's very interesting i had like no no idea uh, thank you Bob. thanks for joining so good to see you uh, i just want to say shout out to all the men in here um uh, one for coming in and chiming into like this discussion and conversation uh i know that you know your loved ones are very important especially you know for those that have been affected before um, so appreciate you guys being here. And if you, you know, have questions, like please chime in. We had, um, you know, DJ Antonio in here asking because he has a daughter. And, you know, we all want the best for our family and friends. So appreciate you guys. Hey, Nisha. So good to see you. Yeah, I mean, so many women, I think DJ's, uh, DJ D-Box is saying that his mom had breast cancer. And so many women have breast cancer. And, you know, it's one of the most um, treatable cancers, which is which is great, but it's so scary. I mean, I myself, I remember I had a lump that I found and I just was terrified. 
going in, waiting. I'm just the waiting was the worst part. I didn't even tell my husband because I was worried about him freaking out because his mom had breast cancer. So I didn't want him to get worried that maybe I might have breast cancer while I'm waiting to find out. And just the delay in getting a, a exam. And it took me, I think, two weeks to get a mammogram. Um, I know some of this, uh, some of the centers are really backed up in, in offering mammograms and that just that wait time and waiting. And of course, everything was okay. And it, it was, but not, it was just a lump that I felt and it was, there was nothing there, but, um, you know, that worry of what could happen because we know people who have breast cancer, we know what it's like to go, to see them go through it, to have all the treatments and then to have the post-treatment where you would be on medications that would prevent you from having a reoccurrence. And it's not easy. Um, it's not an easy process. So whatever we can do to lower those risk factors, and that's why we're talking about it today. We want everybody to go out and, you know, look at, look around you, look at the chemicals around you, look at your lifestyle, get as healthy as you can, because, you know, we want to prevent that if, if, if it's preventable. I mean, obviously you have a genetic predisposition, um, you can't you can't change your genetics, but you can change your lifestyle. You can change the other factors that are risks. So someone had mentioned about um, I think Angelina Jolie. I guess she did genetic testing and had found, or and somebody else in here. I'm sorry, I forget who it was. If you're in here and feel comfortable to chime in again, let us know um, that. Through genetic testing, they had found that they carry the gene. And so what do they normally do? Is it just mastectomy? Like what is what I think that's a discussion between the person and their provider. I think in her situation, if I remember correctly, and somebody can correct us if, if I'm wrong, uh, but it really her maybe her mom had ovarian cancer, and ovarian cancer, cancer, and endometrial all linked. So that might have been her worry. And obviously, it was probably, you know, I have heard of cases where women go ahead and get the mastectomy sort of prophylactically to, to prevent breast cancer. But again, it just depends on your risk, what your genes are, how predisposed you are, and whether that's, you know, that's a decision between you and your provider. I know sometimes women will get breast cancer in one side and then go ahead and do a mastectomy on the other side as well. Um, so that is uh, decisions that you make with your provider based on your case and what your risks are and what kind of, you know, um, I know a friend of mine had cancer and she decided to go ahead and do the mastectomy on the other side. And I can't tell if really it was because cancer or she had. Oh, um, I'm going to have you say that again because I think you're a moment referring to Moment of, of not. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we were breaking up for a second. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> you're freezing. Um, I think you should be fine now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, go ahead and say, I don't know if you remember where you were at, but we were talking, you were talking about, um, mastectomy you know, with your own provider and choosing, and then, yeah. Um, yeah, you can go from there. Oh yeah. So it just, if you have, you're in that situation where you're, 
you have genes that predispose, BRCA1, BRCA2 genes that predispose you, that's a conversation you have with your provider and your breast specialist, um, and they will guide you on whether it's it's better to have a mastectomy before you get cancer. And, and that's, you know, you do hear about cases like that. So um, hopefully everybody can see me now. Are we freezing still or we're good? Okay. So yeah, uh, lovely Liz has a question. I always hear that it hurts, mammograms hurt. Do you see her comment? Yeah. So I've had, I've had, sometimes I've had mammograms that hurt a lot and sometimes I've had mammograms that don't hurt me at all. I've had several now and um, I just think it just depends on the breast and how sensitive your breasts are and what time of the month you're going because your breasts are more sensitive at certain times of the month than others based on your menstrual cycle. So it should not hurt if the technician is very experienced. That being said, I've had some technicians who kind of just threw my breast in there and boom, you know, <laughs> it did not feel good. Uh, but I always remind myself that when I'm going in that this is for the greater good. So if it's a temporary pain, at least I'm getting the information I need to safeguard my health for the long run. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I guess it just depends on the technician. The technician is yeah, right. like it, it, as long as, you know, it'll help in the long run. So, yeah. um, that's definitely something that, so, um, yeah, that makes sense going like, depending on what time of the month that you're in your cycle. I like, never thought about that. If you go during your period, you, go during your period if, you know, I don't know about other women, but my breasts are very painful around my period. So yeah. I not schedule a mammogram around my period, but maybe sometimes you don't get that information and you're sort of stuck getting an appointment when you get an appointment. And so you That's don't true. have those choices as to, oh, I want my period scheduled at this time of the month because that's when I don't have my period, you know, when I don't mm -hmm. have my period. But, um, you know, in the end you're doing something to safeguard your health. So it's always, you know, I know it's not fun. and. Um, you know, uh, the men get rectal exams for prostate. So, you know, I just. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, as uncomfortable as, <laughs> yeah, as uncomfortable as it is, it's very necessary. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's necessary um, and very helpful, you know, especially if you are someone who has it in your, in your history. Yeah. Um, any other, um, anything else that you wanted to add as far as just, you know, overall awareness or health or, you know, get in touch with your provider or get in touch with us. If you need any help, we're in Campbell in California. We can take care of anybody in California. Obviously I can't do a breast exam if you're in LA, but you know, we can, we can certainly guide you on hormones and how your hormones are processing your estrogens. Uh, you know, I, I just want everyone to be aware and make sure that they go and get the help that they need. That 52% statistic of people who have breast ca cancer detection risk, but breast cancer detection rates have gone down by 52%. That's scary. That means more women are going to have breast cancer because they didn't go in and get checked during COVID. So don't let COVID stop you or your loved one from getting checked and uh, getting your exams and that's you know 
that's important. So take care of your health during this time. Um, you know, COVID is going to, we're hearing that COVID is going to be on the rise. And I know we're in California and things have been pretty good. Knock on wood, been pretty good. But um, this might be a good time if you're worried about COVID going on the rise during the flu season to go get checked out before COVID gets on the rise <laughs> or come to a small office like ours. I think going to a small office will reduce your risk of, of getting COVID in a medical center. But I can tell you, I also work in the hospital. Everybody is taking every precaution as far as washing him, temperature, all the PPE that goes into working in these medical centers. I'm so impressed with my fellow colleagues who are really taking precautions with the slightest cough or cold, none of us go into work. And um, the chance, I almost feel like the chance of getting COVID in a medical center is less because they're taking so many precautions. So, um, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to get your health care, you know, and if you can, something you need to, you can always do telehealth if it's, but for an exam like this, you're going to have to go in. Awesome. All right. Well, anybody um, have any other questions? Um, we're a little bit low on viewership right now, but as I said before, we are uh, converting these into uh, SoundCloud, um, like podcast style. So check us out on SoundCloud. We'll be posting the information for our SoundCloud on our Instagram. You know, everyone's on Instagram. Uh, I feel like a majority of us are kind of mostly on Instagram. It's just, you know, easy to look at and whatnot. So follow us there. Um, we are always posting things for both men and women. So, um, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't spam too much. Um, before we leave, can you touch base on that Dutch test again? That is that a hormone test or? You can look it up. I think it's Dutch. It might be dutchtest.com. Uh, it is a hormone. It looks at your, how you're processing your estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. Um, over, you can do it over your cycle or you can do it just on one day and it'll give you some levels on, uh, what your byproducts are for your estrogen, uh, and the various byproducts for the hormones and your urine and gives you an idea of what your levels are like. Um, it also detects your cortisol, which we can talk about next time, uh, cortisol, is you're basically your stress hormone and, and looks at um, how you're dealing with your stress. And it's a great test. I, I love using it. I'm using it in my hormone replacement therapy patients. I'm using it in my perimenopausal women. Um, I've got a couple patients who are premenopausal and want to know how they're metabolizing their estrogens. Um, are they hitting menopause? What can they do to improve their menopausal symptoms? Um, so that is sort of the uh, gist of the Dutch test and you can reach out to us and we can always talk to you about it if you're interested. It's a great test um, and uh, definitely uh, helpful, I think, in this in this situation if you're worried about breast cancer. Great. Well, um, just to remind everyone, oh, see, I hear feedback now. <laughs> um, just to remind everybody, we are located in California, um, in the Bay Area. If you're interested in knowing about our practice, um, visit our website, lotusintegrativehealth.com, or you can private message us on Instagram so that we can contact you. Um, so, yeah. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, 
If you have any questions or recommendations on something that you would like to discuss, I like the idea of the cortisol. Um, what is it? Cortisol. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I like that idea of like the whole stress thing because I feel like within the past two weeks, I have talked to or just seen on social media a lot of people either getting stressed out or burnt out. Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, like we're hitting that like what six, seven months mm -hmm. of you know, this new lifestyle. Um, and I think that would be really great if we could kind of touch base on that because I think it's something that we all deal with during COVID times without. Um, so I think that would be a really good idea. But if there's any recommendations or something that you guys would like to touch base on, please uh, send me an instant, or instant um, send me a private message on Instagram and we will hopefully touch base on um things that you guys are interested we're so, doing every two weeks so we're, we're getting we've done four now and we've hit a, a wide variety of topics on weight intermittent fasting diabetes and cholesterol gut microbiome and there's so many more topics i'm uh, i've got a whole list for us and of course if there's something that's you know, burning for people and definitely good time to talk about stress and we can do that next time yes are we right, breaking well, up again okay yeah we're gonna, go. <laughs> we're gonna um we might have to do maybe try like with your phone next time because i feel like you can do it like on yeah. your phone pretty easily too we're still all learning this stuff so bear with us guys but yes thank you guys so much um have a great um day and we'll see you guys soon Bye, Thank guys. you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.